it was all about uh, missionaries who went illegally into North Korea, which is one of or the maybe most closed and persecuted nations in the world uh, toward Christians and the gospel. And um, so this book was about missionaries who went illegally into North Korea. They were all martyred. They lived one to nine days, but the fruit of their life were incredible and they didn't know the fruit but there was there was one story in particular of um some missionaries who were going into north korea by boat and as guards were shooting at them while they were almost reaching shore they were throwing uh korean bibles toward the shore and um north korea is so poor that one of the guards used that that bible as wallpaper and put it in his house's wallpaper and he and god encountered him through the words of scripture that that he put on his wall as wallpaper and um it was through this book that the holy spirit called me to those without access to the gospel Welcome to the Follow-Up Podcast. A place for conversations and ideas on how we follow Jesus to the depths of his heart and the ends of the earth. Follow is a community of learning and practice in the way of Jesus. And you can find out more about resources, events, and how to get involved by visiting www.wearefollower.com or finding us on your social media platform of choice. We hope you enjoyed this episode with your host, Matthew Lewis. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Follower Podcast in our series, We Are Follower. And we're currently looking at the four values uh, of what it means to follow Jesus to the depths of his heart and the ends of the earth. Last week, we looked at Jesus' centricity, what it means to have Jesus in the center. We looked at the story of um, Jesus asking the disciples, who do you say that I am? We said that this is a question he asks all of us. This is in, in some ways the question. It's an invitation to deep, transforming uh, friendship with God, and, and we all have to answer it. And, and the hope is uh, that we say with Peter, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that that revelation changes everything about the orientation of our lives. And so I encourage you to go back and listen to that if you haven't already. And then in this episode, we're looking at the natural response to a life that is centered on Jesus, which is to follow him. (laughs) Uh, Or how we would maybe say it is to be fully surrendered people and a fully surrendered community. Um, One of the helpful pictures here for me around this idea is in Revelation chapter 1, John is having his vision on the island of Patmos. And he talks about how he hears behind him this sound like mighty rushing waters, and he turns and he sees Jesus. And when he sees Jesus, it's like burning eyes, you know, eyes of fire, uh, hair white as wool, feet burnished bronze, a sword coming out of his mouth, holding freaking stars in his hand. And then John's response is to fall down dead at the feet of Jesus. And I think that that speaks to me about what we're looking for when we talk about being fully surrendered people and a fully surrendered 
community. It's Isaiah going, man, I'm a man of unclean lips and a people of unclean lips because I've seen the Lord. And he's just like, woe is me, I'm undone, you know. And I think sometimes in, in particularly, again, our context of Christianity, depending on where you are in the world, we've kind of domesticated Jesus. And so the Jesus that we're worshiping doesn't evoke that kind of sold out surrender to him. But I guess as a follower community, we're really wanting to turn back to a more biblical picture of this Jesus guy. It's the, it's the disciples who leave their nets and come and follow him. We're not just called to believe in Jesus and have him as like an addition to our lives and try and fit him into our schedules. But if we put the Jesus at the center of our lives, the next normal response to that is to lay those lives down, is to actually follow him. It's Dietrich Bonhoeffer that says, when God calls a man, he bids him come and die. And we don't do this reluctantly. As we said in the very first episode of the series, uh, it, it's in our joy that we sell everything to buy the field, right? There's, it's not a reluctant thing. It's not a heavy thing, but it's like the goodness of who Jesus is, the power of who Jesus is. The more we keep him at the center of our lives, he becomes the most compelling and brilliant um, uh, alternative to a life that's that's turned in on ourselves and ultimately shrinks down and and suffocates us in our own brokenness and so why wouldn't we want to sell everything why wouldn't we naturally just fall down dead at his feet why wouldn't we naturally say woe is me i'm undone you know uh, i think about the the re- in revelation again where the elders are just throwing their crowns before the throne of this king jesus that's the kind of community we want to be where we are so naturally surrendered to the lordship of Jesus. And this is not an idea that we like to always talk about in in some of our cultures, but lordship is a big idea. Jesus is Lord, which means Caesar isn't Lord, or the systems of our world aren't Lord, or our preferences and desires are not Lord. And so as we put Jesus right at the center of our lives, he becomes, he, he brings us revelation of himself. And the most natural response, as natural as breathing, is to then lay down our lives to follow him. And that's the value we want to talk about um, in this episode and the next episode. The reason it's going to be two episodes is because for this episode, actually, you're not just going to be hearing from me again. I've asked a friend to come on. Um, This person is a missionary in Northern Africa uh, in an Islamic region. And her story is one of deep surrender Uh, significant suffering and pain, but continued surrender and continued resilience in the way of Jesus, even through difficult things. And she has kind of so beautifully in the most gospel way, gone through some really difficult things and come out on the other side, still loving God, still surrendered to God, still willing to count the cost of the gospel. And her life as a story speaks to this value of surrender. Um, and so we can't use her real name on this episode. We're going to just call her Beth for this time. I can't tell you exactly where she is working in the world for her safety and the safety of the people that she works with. But she's very kindly agreed to just share her story with us. And as she was sharing her story, it, it's, um, there's a lot in there, and, but it's all beautiful and valuable. And so instead of uh, giving you just one episode that's over an hour long, I thought it'd be better for us to break it up into two episodes. So you'll get two this week and uh, helping you understand, I think, in a beautiful testimony uh, format what we mean when we talk about surrender and being fully surrendered to the person of Jesus. Just uh, 
Uh, warning, some of uh, Beth's story is a bit uh, graphic and a bit painful, and there are some things in there that might be hard for some people to listen to, particularly if you've come out of, out of your own trauma, or if there's some uh, younger people listening to the podcast, just to be aware of that. We don't want to edit that out because that testimony speaks to what God has done in and through her life, and so we're really grateful for that. But uh, just before we jump into that conversation with Beth, let's just pause for a moment and pray together as we listen to a poem, again, written by Kirsten Kelly and read by Andile Ndlovu, who are both members of the follower community in different ways. And so, yeah, I hope that this is a blessing to you, even as you listen to it and as you, as you pray with us and prepare ourselves for this conversation with Beth. I see your feet, bloody and torn. I see your blood-stained brow. Thorns tearing flesh, a brutal mockery of the one through whom all things were formed. I touch your outstretched hands, pierced for the soul of all mankind, urging me closer, inviting me to come and follow where you go. My eyes fall to the dusty road, averting your gaze, Yet I cannot escape the love emanating from your face. The pain you bore is much more than I can ever know. Offering your life on behalf of us all every day, saying yes to the call. My heart trembles as I contemplate. How must I respond? In truth, I do not know if I can follow where you go. Desires corrupted, so easily lured. Promises dressed up in shiny rags, offering snares in the guise of life to the full. Briars around my heart slowly grow, choking my soul, catching my breath. I cannot take it anymore. Lifting my eyes from the dusty road, I see you, beckoning me to come, and I catch a glimpse of a different way to go. Except my heart still questions the narrow road, and I just don't know if I can follow where you go. And yet, how can I not? You chose death, the ultimate sacrifice for my life. Though you knew it was not the end, but the beginning of something brand new. Overcoming death itself from the ashes you resurrected. And so I choose yes to follow where you go. Surrendering daily my own desires. Desires that ultimately lead to the loss of my soul. But in the pain of relinquishing control, true life is born. And so today, I choose to follow where you go. The road unknown demands my all, and letting go of shiny rags, my heart believes it needs to grow. Yet today, I choose to trust in you, the one who stared dead in the face and overcame. I take your outstretched hand with eyes fastened onto yours. And today, and every day to come, I choose to follow where you go. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Follower Podcast. And today we're looking at what it means to be fully surrendered people. And for this conversation, you're not only going to be hearing from me, you're going to be hearing from actually a friend of a friend. I, I've met this lady once. We met in America last year, and today we're having a conversation. Um, we're going to be introducing her as Beth on the podcast today. So, Beth, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> so good to have you with us, and thank you for making time. Um, you are currently serving in a, a Muslim African region and uh, as a missionary. 
and you're serving in that space. And I remember when we met in America, you told me some of your story. And I just remember thinking, man, this lady's story is powerful and I think helpful. And I think it will uh, really serve and I think liberate a bunch of people. But particularly what stood out to my story, uh, to me about your story was the way that it speaks to Lordship. And so I wonder if we could just start there, maybe give us a sense of your story Tell us a little bit about your growing up years and then, you know, your commission into the work of the Lord and what you've had to go through. And then from there, we'll kind of press into ideas around surrender and lordship and what you've learned about that, what it means to be a fully surrendered person. Awesome. Thank you so much, Matt. Um, yes. So I am from an Asian American family and um, my family was Buddhist background. My grandparents actually helped start a Buddhist temple in the area that we lived in. And so I grew up having no concept of the gospel and believing in reincarnation. And um, the family that I grew up in was an immigrant family and there was a lot of trauma and therefore I grew up in a house with a lot of abuse from as early as I could remember. I remember, um, sometimes multiple times a, a day getting beaten for hours at a time to the point of bruises or being dragged by the hair. And I remember even though I didn't grow up in a war zone, I lived in constant fear and home was not a safe place. And I remember at the age of maybe eight or nine, I started to even be suicidal and just desire to take my own life because life was so painful. And um, my sister internalized a lot of this abuse um, and trauma more than me. And so when she was about 15 years old, um, all of this trauma and anxiety and depression that she had spiraled um, into um, even more post-traumatic stress and a really bad eating disorder. So she, her body weight got so low that she had to be um, hospitalized um, in a live-in hospital for about four years in and out of eating disorder clinic and a psych ward. Um, and the best doctors in the country couldn't treat her. And during this period of time, because the Asian American community is very close and tightly knit together, um, there was rumors about my family that people had seen me running um, from my house with no shoes or that I got kicked out and slept outside and things like that. And so there was um, a local Asian church and we were, my family was the troubled family that um, this elder decided to come and pay a visit to and reach out to. So um, I remember my, um, it was also during the time that my sister had ran away from the hospital. And um, from that moment, I didn't see my sister for about a year and my mom for about 10 months. And um, although some people could think that was very intense of a time, um, as my mom was my main abuser, that was actually the time where um, I, yeah, I wasn't being abused every day. So it was, um, yeah, a bit different, but at the same time, the doctors, because of the health condition of my sister, we were really preparing to find her, um, find her dead because she was on a heart um, monitor because her body weight was so low. 
So during this time, this um, Asian elder at a church came and um, visited with my dad. And I still don't know to this day what they talked about. But after their conversation, um, my dad invited me in. And the Asian American elder from this church asked if I wanted to go to um, this church retreat for youth that weekend. And um, I looked at my dad and my dad said I would be able to go in high school. Um, I had been isolated from all of my friends because of the shame and stigma in the Asian community of having, um, you know, a daughter or sister in a mental hospital. Um, so at this point, I had no friends. And so my dad said I can go. And so I decided to go. And the first afternoon, there was a man speaking um, who had a prosthetic leg. And he was talking about how he was so depressed in life and had no purpose and um, and yeah, even was suicidal in moments, but that he met Jesus and that Jesus gave him peace and love and that he found joy and all of these things. And in the back of my mind, I was thinking, I'm very happy for him that he found happiness, but I don't know if this is for me. And I remember the worship team started coming out and I saw electric guitars and drums and I didn't know what was going on. And in the front row, there was a young man who got on his knees um, and I did not understand in my mind. I was thinking, what are you doing? Get up. What, why are you on the ground like that? And it was just the kindness of God to encounter me in that moment. And um, the Holy Spirit came upon me and I was blinded by just light for about four hours. I fell to my knees, my hands were raised. And for the first time in my whole life, I felt peace and the spirit of revelation um, came to me and in that encounter I knew that God was real God was good God loved me and that I was going to live for him and I didn't own a bible but it was the spirit of revelation that revealed those things to me and um in an Asian conservative Presbyterian church you know youth retreat they had to carry me out because I was wow. just Come on. frozen in the glory and the love and the peace of God. And um, after that encounter, I was completely different. I went from just looking like I'm carrying the weight of the world on my face and shoulders to being so filled with joy. I remember I wasn't used to, my face wasn't used to smiling that much that my cheeks would hurt so much because I couldn't stop smiling. So that first month or two months of being saved, I had to massage my cheeks because <laughs> I, yeah, I wasn't used to smiling so much. And people would always say that at school that I was the one that wasn't able to frown because wow. the Lord literally in a moment without even hearing the full gospel, quote unquote, literally transferred me from the kingdom of darkness and suicide and anxiety and depression to the kingdom of of light where I in a divine way just felt loved by God and felt his joy inside my heart just with within the change of one encounter 
And um, yeah, from that moment, I was just on fire and in love with Jesus. And um, I can go on to I just um, uh, share. I want to point out something here, Nicole, because what you're pointing to is so important. Uh, in the last episode, um, which you're welcome to go listen to when you get a chance, uh, we spoke about Jesus' centricity. And I used the passage where Jesus is talking to the disciples and he's he's there in Caesarea Philippi. He's, he's literally on this pagan worship site. You know, the, the gates of Hades are there. And he looks at the disciples and he says, who do you say that I am? And then Simon Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And there's that key moment where Jesus said, this wasn't revealed to you by men, but by my father yeah. who is in heaven. Mm-hmm. And I was just making the point and trying to push us to reconsider some of what we think it means to have Jesus at the center of our lives. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but in our context and in some of the contexts where I've worked, we've traded like um, religious knowledge for intimate revelation. And so when we talk about Mm -hmm. like a saving faith, very often we talk about ideas and philosophies and doctrines, not that those things are bad necessarily of themselves, but they definitely fall short because when we are talking about being saved, what we're talking about is a living God, a resurrected man who's Amen. Jesus, who sits at the right hand of the Father. And there is this, I love how you were using this language of the spirit of revelation that needs to come on us and open up our eyes. And I just know that there are a lot of people who maybe have been walking with the Lord for a while or would consider themselves Christian and they've almost stopped short of that, you know, like they've entered into a religious idea. Um, and and I do this from time to time, you know, having had a, a, a moment of revelation, I can slip back into religion. And so I've got to come again and again and again to the Father and say, man, give me that revelation of who you are, Jesus. Um, I don't know, just some yeah. thoughts around that. I just wanted to not miss that truth there. I love that. Yeah, it's so good. And that's a lot how Jesus is revealing himself to people in the Muslim world. You know, they have an encounter with his with his love and they don't know that Jesus is God until you know months after they're saved and the Holy Spirit it's that spirit of revelation that reveals those things to him we don't need to argue or convince people Mm. into the truth but it really is the Holy Spirit who is revealing Jesus you know and I'm yeah so thankful for the kindness of God that in a time where I knew nothing about him really I knew Jesus was um, tied to Christmas and (laughs) maybe some people thought he's God, but didn't know much about him at all. And um, just that spirit of revelation that came upon me and made it all click and it changed my life. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think sometimes in the Western world, and I'm, you, you come from America as well, so you'll understand this. It's like um, when you're not living in a context where that, where the reality of God is like a daily necessity, sometimes we can get so comfortable and we can just settle into like a tidy, like nice, you know, inverted commas kind of Christianity that that doesn't call us to those moments of just absolute encounter with God. Would you say that's true? And then, you know, coming out of that, like, what's the difference you've experienced there, you know? Yeah, I would 
I would say, um, yes, suffering. I don't love suffering. No one loves suffering. But I would say, looking back, hindsight, suffering has been the greatest gift in my life. And that makes me emotional to say, because it drives us to be desperate and hungry for God. And God always meets the hungry and the wow. desperate ones um, with deeper revelation and deeper intimacy, more, you know, touches from, from him. And so I feel like if I hadn't been through suffering, you know, in my childhood and adult years, I wouldn't know God how I do now wow. as everything, you know? Right. Um, yeah, so I think there is something to that desperation and just needing him um, every day, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so then this encounter catapulted you out uh, into a life of mission in throughout your 20s. And you've already touched on yeah. that little bit of suffering in that story, but but tell us what what happened next. Yeah, so um, that was when I was sixteen when I encountered Jesus, and when I was eighteen, I, I went to university and I knew that my life was not my own, and I was going through a season and a time of deep consecration of of seeking out what. God's will for my life was. And um, in Asian American culture, your parents kind of help shape and help point to a direction of uh, what you're good at and what you should do. And I had, it was the first time in my Christian walk where I didn't feel that like tangible delight and presence of being in God's will um, when I was yeah, in, in university studying business and business is what my family spoke over me since I was a little girl. And um, yes, yeah, so I was going through a time of just seeking what he wanted for my life. And um, in this time, I met a representative from Voice of the Martyrs. And um, I thought he was lost on my university campus. So I introduced myself and asked if he was looking for um, anything and if I could help him. And he went right into it. And he said, did you know that there's people who don't have the Bible in their own language? Did you know that there's people in prison right now just for believing in Jesus? Did you know that there's people who are killed just for their faith? And went on and on with a couple more statements like that. And I had no idea. I had only been a believer for two years. And the church that I got saved at didn't have missionaries. And um, sometimes there were mercy trips to Mexico to build or paint a house or to work with the homeless, but I'd never heard anything like this before. And in my heart, I just felt like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest injustice in the world. More than child soldiers, more than sex trafficking, more than poverty to be killed for being, for loving Jesus, to not have access to the Bible. And um, I asked this man, I had no idea what could I do to learn more. And he gave me this book to read for free um, called Restricted Nations, North Korea. And I missed all my classes that afternoon because I was just glued <laughs> to this book. <laughs> yeah. And um, it was all about uh, missionaries who went illegally into North Korea, which is one of or the maybe most closed and persecuted nations in the world. Uh, 
toward Christians and the gospel. And um, so this book was about missionaries who went illegally into North Korea. They were all martyred. They lived one to nine days, but the fruit of their life were incredible. And they didn't know the fruit, but there were there was one story in particular of um, some missionaries who were going into North Korea by boat. And as guards were shooting at them while they were almost reaching shore, they were throwing uh, Korean Bibles wow. toward the shore. And um, North Korea is so poor that one of the guards used that, that Bible as wallpaper and put it in his house as wallpaper. Wow. And, he, and God encountered him through the words of scripture that, that he put on his wall as wallpaper. Come on. And um, it was through this book that the Holy Spirit called me to those without access to the gospel and I knew it was so clear in my heart and at the moment at this moment in time this book is all I knew of missions so I thought it was um, to go and be a martyr and throw Bibles at people and preach the gospel boldly until you get killed and that is you know just the seed of your life that the gospel will go forth and um even with the sacrifice of your life. And, and so um, in the, at first I thought I was called to North Korea because that's the only unreached nation I knew of. Um, so I started fasting and praying for North Korea, uh, researching everything I possibly could about this nation. And um, after a couple months of that, I just had this thought, God, this is crazy. But if I, if I know it's you, I will go, but I just want your confirmation. So I yeah. was praying for God to confirm my call to North Korea. But for some reason, the words that came out of my mouth was, God, where do you want to send me? But in my mind, um, I was thinking, confirm North Korea, because that's the only unreached nation I knew. And um, so one day when I was in my kitchen, I was just praying again, like, God, where do you want to send me? And I saw an open vision with my eyes opened of typewriter letters spelling uh, Islamic nation in Africa that I had no idea. I've never heard of this nation before. When I first saw this vision, I wrote in my journal, maybe I'll adopt an orphan in the future named named this country because wow. I didn't know it was a country. Right, right. And I prayed again for two or three more weeks. Every day, God, where do you want to send me? And two to three weeks later, I saw another vision of typewriter, very clear letters spelling this country. Mm. And I um, was looking around like, what is this mysterious word? What is why am I seeing this? Is it someone's name? And I heard um, a loud thundering voice say go. And I Googled this, this name and I found out it was a nation. Wow. And so at first I was so excited because I was thinking God answered my prayer. He really speaks. It's a real place. That's so awesome. I know where I'm called. And as I was researching a little bit deeper, I found out that um, in that year, the, the Christian annual growth, growth rate was negative. And 
hindsight looking back after having worked with these people for um, or been praying for these people for over a decade, that's the year that almost all the underground church was wiped out and wow. killed. Um, wow. Yeah, in 2011. And, um, and I read even stories online about even Catholic grave sites, their coffins and bodies being dug up and dumped in the ocean to cleanse the country of all Christianity. Wow. And um, I was just having a Jonah moment. I was honestly overcome with fear. Um, sometimes in a moment of first getting called, um, our spirits can say yes, but our flesh is weak. Right. And so my flesh was manifesting and I was so afraid and having, yeah, Jonah moment. And um, for about like 45 minutes in my dorm room in college and called a friend to come pray with me. But quickly, the Holy Spirit uh, led me to repent. And I, I got the revelation and understood if I die today, I know where I'm going. Why would I not risk my life, even if it means dying so that others could have even the opportunity or chance to choose Jesus? Right. And I prayed a simple prayer, God, give me your perfect love for this people and nation to cast out fear. And it, it was the kindness of God that in that moment, he gave me a real impartation of his heart for this people and nation. And all fear was gone. And I was just overcome with so much love for them that I mm. just had such a passion in my heart to go and I would be crying out for them. Um, sometimes even driving, I'd have to pull my car over because I would be weeping wow. for the Lord to be known in this nation and wouldn't be able to drive through my tears. So I'd have to pull over the car. Um, and yeah, so that was my call to this nation mm. about, um, what is it, 12, uh, 12 years ago now that I've just been holding this unreached, persecuted nation in my heart. I think where I want to jump in here because I really want to land this right for people who are listening to this. So there's some people who are listening who, like us, are missionaries and they can relate to this idea. Other people are serving God in the neighborhood or in the place where he's planted them and their life looks very different. But there's a principle here that I think um, is really important to highlight before we move on is that sometimes we read these books or we hear these stories of these people who've done these great things for God and we get like the highlights package of that. So, you know, it's like the 30,000 foot view of that story. Even the Bible can be like this, you know, sometimes between verse one and verse two in a book, it's been like six months or whatever, you know? And so we don't always get a sense of timeline or process. What I've really enjoyed about hearing your process is that it wasn't straightforward. There was a wrestling there was a doubting, there was a questioning, and ultimately there had to be a yielding. And then God responded to that. And I just think for anyone who's listening, and I don't know, you can speak to this as well, but when we talk about a fully surrendered life, what we're not saying is that this is just a downhill journey. 
into surrender, you know, what we're saying is that actually the process is part of, of learning surrender. Like we work out this thing and God can speak a word or even just simply scripture can lead us in a way of living. And just like you've been expressing, right. we can be in conflict with that idea and it's okay. I just want to give, um, I guess, permission to people who are listening. It's okay to wrestle that out with the Lord. Yeah. You know, it's okay to seek him for that. And I think he's faithful just as he's been in your story to respond to that honest wrestle with God. I don't know. Would you, would you agree with that? I would. There, there's always a wrestle. Um, there's always a wrestle. Uh, but I think, um, I think I have found in my life, even though God does sometimes call us to hard things um, and it takes a deeper dying to self and putting away of that the flesh to say yes and yield and to sacrifice things or to go into to say yes to things that might be scary. But I think as followers of Christ um, who have been saved, I really think it is impossible to say no to God yeah. when you have encountered his love, when you know he's God and he really has lordship over your life. Um, the answer might be, um, you know, yes, but you'll wrestle through that. Um, but I think I found in my life, um, it is, it's not always fast to say yes to God, but it's really I think impossible to say no. Totally. Um, yeah. 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 It's almost like that idea of no Lord doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know, if yeah. he's Lord, yeah, then the answer is sure. yes. Um, a friend, a friend of follower, Jill Weber, she works with 24 seven prayer and order of the master seat. She says, she always will say, Lord, the answer is yes. Now, what is the question? You know, I love Amen. that idea. It's like surrender is a posture of yes, because Jesus is Lord. And then we figure out what he's asking next. And I think that's one of the radical shifts that needs to happen in our faith is that we don't move from a place of uh, kind of holding our fingers behind our back, but we've had this revelation, the spirit of revelation of who Jesus is. He's now center of our lives. And the response to that is kind of laid down obedience, yeah. you know? Well, some great thoughts there from the first part of our discussion with Beth, and uh, I hope it's been helpful for you. You can look forward to the second part of this discussion as we continue to hear about her story and her convictions and realities around surrender in the next episode of The Follower Podcast. We'll see you then. That's all for this episode of The Follower Podcast. If you found it helpful or inspiring, please consider sharing it and leaving a review on your podcast platform to help us connect with more people around the world. If you would like to support the Ministry of Follower with a monthly contribution or one-off donation, you can visit www.wearefollower.com forward slash support. And to say thank you, we'll send you a free copy of Live the Story, an ebook that helps you learn to share your faith with others. Until next time, may you follow Jesus to the depths of his heart as he helps you share his love wherever you go. From the ground beneath your feet to the very end of the earth.